chapter forty five of the ordeal of richard feverel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox the ordeal of richard feverel by george meredith chapter forty five his ordeal is over i have just come from his room and seen him bear the worst that could be return at once he has asked for you i can hardly write intelligibly but i will tell you what we know two days after the dreadful night when he left us his father heard from ralph morton richard had fought a duel in france with lord mount falcon and was lying wounded at a hamlet on the coast his father started immediately with his poor wife and i followed in company with his aunt and his child the wound was not dangerous he was shot in the side somewhere but the ball injured no vital part we thought all would be well oh how sick i am of theories and systems and the pretensions of men there was his son lying all but dead and the man was still unconvinced of the folly he had been guilty of i could hardly bear the sight of his composure i shall hate the name of science till the day i die give me nothing but commonplace unpretending people they were at a wretched french cabaret smelling vilely where we still remain and the people try as much as they can do to compensate for our discomforts by their kindness the french poor people are very considerate where they see suffering i will say that for them the doctors had not allowed his poor lucy to go near him she sat outside his door and none of us dared disturb her that was a sight for science his father and myself and mrs berry were the only ones permitted to wait on him and whenever we came out there she sat not speaking a word for she had been told it would endanger his life but she looked such awful eagerness she had the sort of eye i fancy mad persons have i was sure her reason was going we did everything we could think of to comfort her a bed was made up for her and her meals were brought to her there of course there was no getting her to eat what do you suppose his alarm was fixed on he absolutely said to me but i have not patience to repeat his words he thought her to blame for not commanding herself for the sake of her maternal duties he had absolutely an idea of insisting that she should make an effort to suckle the child i shall love that mrs berry to the end of my days i really believe she has twice the sense of any of us science and all she asked him plainly if he wished to poison the child and then he gave way but with a bad grace poor man perhaps i am hard on him i remember that you said richard had done wrong yes well that may be but his father eclipsed his wrong in a greater wrong a crime or quite as bad for if he deceived himself in the belief that he was acting righteously in separating husband and wife and exposing his son as he did i can only say that there are some who are worse than people who deliberately commit crimes no doubt science will benefit by it they kill little animals for the sake of science we have with us dr barham and a french physician from dieppe a very skilful man it was he who told us where the real danger lay we thought all would be well a week had passed and no fever supervened 
we told richard that his wife was coming to him and he could bear to hear it i went to her and began to circumlocute thinking she listened she had the same eager look when i told her she might go in with me to see her dear husband her features did not change monsieur desprez who held her pulse at the time told me in a whisper it was cerebral fever brain fever coming on we have talked of her since i noticed that though she did not seem to understand me her bosom heaved and she appeared to be trying to repress it and choke something i am sure now from what i know of her character that she even in the approaches of delirium was preventing herself from crying out her last hold of reason was a thought for richard it was against a creature like this that we plotted i have the comfort of knowing that i did my share in helping to destroy her had she seen her husband a day or two before but no there was a new system to interdict that or had she not so violently controlled her nature as she did i believe she might have been saved he said once of a man that his conscience was a coxcomb will you believe that when he saw his son's wife poor victim lying delirious he could not even then see his error you said he wished to take providence out of god's hands his mad self-deceit would not leave him i am positive that while he was standing over her he was blaming her for not having considered the child indeed he made a remark to me that it was unfortunate disastrous i think he said that the child should have to be fed by hand i dare say it is all i pray is that this young child may be saved from him i cannot bear to see him look on it he does not spare himself bodily fatigue but what is that that is the vulgarest form of love i know what you will say you will say i have lost all charity and i have but i should not feel so austin if i could be quite sure that he is an altered man even now the blow has struck him he is reserved and simple in his speech and his grief is evident but i have doubts he heard her while she was senseless call him cruel and harsh and cry that she had suffered and i saw then his mouth contract as if he had been touched perhaps when he thinks his mind will be clear but what he has done cannot be undone i do not imagine he will abuse women any more the doctor called her a fort et belle jeune femme and he said she was as noble a soul as ever god moulded clay upon a noble soul fort et belle she lies upstairs if he can look on her and not see his sin i almost fear god will never enlighten him she died five days after she had been removed the shock had utterly deranged her i was with her she died very quietly breathing her last breath without pain asking for no one a death i should like to die her cries at one time were dreadfully loud she screamed that she was drowning in fire and that her husband would not come to her to save her we deadened the sound as much as we could but it was impossible to prevent richard from hearing he knew her voice and it produced an effect like fever on him whenever she called he answered you could not hear them without weeping mrs berry sat with her and i sat with him and his father moved from one to the other but the trial for us came when she was gone how to communicate it to richard or whether to do so at all his father consulted with us we were quite decided that it would be madness to breathe it while he was in that state i can admit now as things have turned out we were wrong his father left us i believe he spent the time in prayer and then leaning on me he went to richard and said in so many words that his lucy was no more i thought it must kill him he listened and smiled i never saw a smile so sweet and so sad he said he had seen her die as if he had passed through his suffering a long time ago 
he shut his eyes i could see by the motion of his eyeballs up that he was straining his sight to some inner heaven i cannot go on i think richard is safe had we postponed the tidings till he came to his clear senses it must have killed him his father was right for once then but if he has saved his son's body he has given the death-blow to his heart richard will never be what he promised a letter found on his clothes tells us the origin of the quarrel i have had an interview with lord m this morning i cannot say i think him exactly to blame richard forced him to fight at least i do not select him the foremost for blame he was deeply and sincerely affected by the calamity he has caused alas he was only an instrument your poor aunt is utterly prostrate and talks strange things of her daughter's death she is only happy in drudging dr barham says we must under any circumstances keep her employed whilst she is doing something she can chat freely but the moment her hands are not occupied she gives me an idea that she is going into a fit we expect the dear child's uncle to-day mr thompson is here i have taken him upstairs to look at her that poor young man has a true heart come at once you will not be in time to see her she will lie at raynham if you could you would see an angel he sits by her side for hours i can give you no description of her beauty you will not delay i know dear austin and i want you for your presence will make me more charitable than i find it possible to be have you noticed the expression in the eyes of blind men that is just how richard looks as he lies there silent in his bed striving to image her on his brain the end end of chapter forty five end of the ordeal of richard feverell by george meredith